welcome to cii podcasts i feel privileged to extend my warm welcome to all present here to the cxo fireside chat series themed on shifting leadership imperatives priming the organization for results driven transformative growth i would like to welcome our esteemed moderator for today's session dr srini srinivasan managing director pmi south asia and our esteemed guest speaker mr dilip soni managing director rockwell automation india private limited dilip is responsible for uh, leading rockwell automations india business developing the market creating partnerships and building a team that serves customers across industries all over the country dilip has three decades of experience in industrial automation and healthcare technology industries he joined rockwell automation in august 2008 he graduated with honors in electrical engineering from iit roorkee dilip began his career in with larsen and tubro limited through their get program in 1995 dilip joined ge as sales manager with ge uh, fanock and uh, grew uh, to the position of country ceo through the roles of increasing responsibility in india and the usa in 2005 dilip moved to ge healthcare as as vice president sales for south asia from where he moved to rockwell automation in his current assignment dilip is the past president of automation industry association i welcome you mr soni to this session thank you so much for the kind introduction let me introduce dr srini dr srini srinivasan is the regional managing director of uh, project management institute south asia who oversees pmis activities in india sri lanka and bangladesh he also leads the pmi global it systems working group srini has over 30 years of global experience as a ceo business leader and an entrepreneur at the intersection of professional services and technology he is a subject matter expert in strategy organizational transformation operations improvement and analytics based digital solutions before joining pmi he was the managing director of arthur d little india he played key role in reestablishing the firm in india he has also served in senior leadership roles at altran technologies and the hay group india srini has doctorate in business education conferred by the university of northern colorado an mba from eastern new mexico university and a bachelor of accounting degree from the university of madras let me welcome dr srini srinivasan to this session over to you dr srini thank you so much aman dilip uh, it's a honor for us to have you in this program and i think uh, those of us who are in the audience will understand why i say that when we're done talking today thank you uh, so much uh, srini uh, really appreciate the kind words thank you i think just to help set the context for our discussion today uh, both uh, cii and pmi have partnered together to look at what kind of suggestions what kind of advice what kind of best practices what kind of examples we can provide to members of both of our organizations to look uh, in in the context of skilling upskilling reskilling in the midst of all of this disruption and especially uh, accelerated uh, digital transformation uh, and so the focus in for the past uh, three uh, of these fireside chats has been more or less on the skilling aspects and and 
the leaders that we've spoken to have given quite a bit of uh, uh, important and useful information to all of us. But today's conversation is a little bit different. Today's conversation is really about focusing on what should be the leader's role in driving results in a transformation process. And as you can well imagine, virtually every organization we talk to says they're in the middle of a digital transformation or a business transformation. But at the end of the day, uh, it matters to organizations, to their customers, to their shareholders, if there are some tangible results coming out of this process. And that's the reason we wanted you to be part of this conversation because we know that this is a topic that is near and dear to your heart. So I want to start the conversation with kind of creating the canvas for digital transformation. And I know that uh, you have a unique perspective on digital transformation because not only do you lead those efforts internally within an organization, but Rockwell Automation, your, your organization, uh, supports customers in doing the same. Uh, uh, and, and therefore, you have, as an organization and, and you as a CEO, have a wealth of experience in this. So in your mind, what, what is the uh, broad definition of di digital transformation? So it's, uh, uh, first of all, you know, thank you so much for inviting me uh, to today's discussion, Srini. Uh, really appreciate it, and I look forward to this conversation. And uh, uh, you know, greetings to uh, to all the audience that's joining us from across the country. Uh, topic of uh, digital transformation, um, you know, like you said, you know, it's uh, it's core and central to the narrative across the industry, and it just happens to be something which is very uh, near and dear to my heart as well. Um, you asked me to describe digital transformation in simple terms, right? You know, I think it is, it's it's right there in the term itself. It is transformation that leverages all the digital technologies, right? Uh, but I think we have to put the spotlight on the word transformation, right? You know, you, you're talking about, you know, taking the current state, the status quo, and transforming it into another different altered state with some outcomes and objectives in mind right so so th those outcomes are are you know superior business delivery better customer outcomes um you know dealing with you know all the the the, the headwinds that we are all uh, you know across industries uh, and geographies uh, you know the the headwinds that that we have faced with um, and we'll continue to and if there's one thing which is which is you know, going to be probably staying as a constant is this, you know, the the volatile, uncertain operating it, uh, you know, environment that we have to operate within, right? So we have to continue to find better ways of conducting ourselves, of, of practicing, you know, whatever it is that we do in our businesses uh, to overcome these headwinds, right? Put another way, if you continue to do things the way you were doing a year ago or five years ago, you are going to be rendered obsolete very quickly by the market forces, right? So you need to transform and the current available digital technologies are offering, you know, some unprecedented, you know, options to you. 
right? And, and hence, it becomes a a very topical, uh, you know, discussion topic for for both of us today. I hope I answered the question. You did. Uh, just staying on that topic, uh, when you and I chatted recently, you said something I thought was very interesting. You said, "Shrini, digital transformation is about technology, but it's not just about the technology." Uh, can you elaborate on that? Sure, sure. So I'll submit to you, Shrini, that uh, technology is is not a limiting factor at all. It used to be, you know, some time ago, um, but you know now it is not. What it is is basically means to an end. The end being those superior business outcomes that we are talking about, which allow you to, uh, you know, either create competitive differentiation for yourselves or enable you in some way, shape, or form to serve your customers better, right? So it, it it provides you as a as a as a means of doing and achieving that, right? The 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 other way to look at the the situation is why bother about changing, right? And you know one could argue it in in five different ways, but if you really look at it, all of the traditional challenges, and I'll talk in the context of manufacturers because those are the stakeholders that you know at least in my day job we, we engage with day in and day out right so all of the traditional challenges you know driving productivity efficiency etc etc they're going nowhere they go, they're this they're there right you know you you have to do it right but then and i'm not even talking about what's happened in the last couple of years during the pandemic times you know where you had to deal with all these unprecedented supply chain um you know disruptions and in all of the uh, uncertainties even prior to that, you know, we were all finding that uh, consumer demands were, uh, were, were were getting, you know, much more, or should I say, aggressive is a wrong word, but you know, consumers were getting more demanding because they're spoiled for choice. And if anything, during these pandemic times, you know, thanks to uh, you know the manner in which e-commerce and now Q-commerce has surrounded all of us. You know, we as consumers have really, really become much more demanding, right? And that puts a whole different level of pressure on manufacturers, right? Uh, everyone wants to have his or her, you know, specific uh, flavor of yogurts uh, or uh, you know the taste of cookies um, in in the right kind of uh, serving sizes, what have you. And I'm just picking, you know, um, consumer packaged goods uh, as an example. You could talk about many different things. Right. So on the one hand, the consumers are becoming much more demanding. Uh, on the other hand, business models are changing. I just give you the example of uh, Q-commerce. This is a term that probably did not even exist three years ago, right? But is very much surrounding us, and, and you know we're getting spoiled for choice because things are getting delivered in 19 minutes or or 10 minutes uh, from from when you order, right? And that puts an unprecedented amount of um, you know. Uh, stress on the supply chains that manufacturers have to envisage you know right to the last mile right so so those are the things which are happening you know on the consumer facing side but at the same time the regulatory compliances you know are getting uh, you know much more tighter uh, in at the same time uh, you know and we'll talk a little bit more about all the workforce related uh, disruptions that have set in particularly during the uh, pandemic times right and then uh, not even going too deep 
but just making a mention of the fact that sustainability related considerations which have pretty much risen to the very top of uh, um, you know board level discussions and ceo and the cxo uh, level uh, sort of considerations all of these changes have you know practically you know turn the existing set of considerations that you would take into account while planning your business up on its head right so uh, with so much of changes and so much of complexity that's that's setting in you really need to do a good hard reboot right you know in terms of how you approach uh, you know your own uh, business how do you serve your customers better because there are more people that are vying for your customers attentions right so you know you you need to reevaluate how do you deliver better customer experience and better customer uh, delivery right while contending with all of these uh, uh, changes that are going on and the pace of these changes i hope you'll agree with me shrini the pace of these changes is i don't think there's going to be a tomorrow anytime soon where we'll say okay things have stabilized because um you know we we certainly do expect that there would be more vagaries thrown at us you know down the road you know who would have thought a year ago that we'll be living through uh you know times of, of an all out war that's going on in the world at this point in time uh in in Europe and uh, that's changing all the considerations around uh, for the uh, european markets um the the energy markets what have you etc right and you know so so these these vagaries are going to be um uh, uh, if not this then there'll be something else you know that is going to keep us on our toes uh, and that'll be my submission to you so if the operating environment is is evolving so rapidly you really just must think of a uh, of a better response uh, to create a competitive differentiation for yourselves well said uh just listening to you it's uh, staggering to to just kind of picture the kind of complexity that is uh part of everything we do in the business world today uh but i wanted to touch upon something else that i felt was underlying your comments from just a few minutes ago and that is uh, uh transformation is about taking people along taking your organization along taking all your different stakeholders along uh you you've talked about that your customers in some cases their customers in some cases competitors with whom you might be collaborating for specific uh purposes uh what can we learn from the experience that you and your organization have had in this in this journey i, I think you called it uh 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 digital transformation journeys in flight <laughs> correct correct yeah I, i know you cannot i can i know you cannot mention specific names places or dates but we'd like to learn from uh your experience in terms of what's worked well what's not worked well and what can we take away from that sure sure no i think uh, this is this is so important for us so uh you know shri uh, you know you know this but for uh, some of the audience who who may not know as much about rocket automation so we are a 120 year old company um you know what what you already mentioned is that we are you know in the game of industrial automation we are uh, we engage with the customers deliver uh, you know support for industrial automation and 
digital transformation, um, you know, across the industries. But what is less understood about us is that we are an industrial manufacturer ourselves and we contend with, you know, several of the same challenges that our customers who are, you know, from the manufacturing world uh, or process industries, uh, the challenges that they undergo, the exact same challenges that, that we experience ourselves. Uh, sometimes these are a little bit more accentuated, if I can put it in that manner, because, you know, we, we've been a legacy organization, you know, we, we've been around a while. Um, like I said, uh, more than a century old, we were around when Industry 2.0 was, was, was happening. We played a very key central role in Industry 3.0 and hopefully, uh, you know, we are, uh, uh, we are, we are, you know, delivering on our promise as Industry 4.0 has become, uh, you know, core and central. So we've been around a while, uh, but as we look ahead, uh, and this is a dialogue that's been going on inside the organization for well over the last couple of decades, believe it or not, right? Uh, we were beginning to realize that uh, the, the, the center of gravity, uh, you know, of our businesses were shifting, uh, you know, decades ago, you know, it was basically the Western markets, which were the key markets for organizations like us. Uh, but that was obviously shifting and shifting quite rapidly towards the uh, uh, emerging Asian markets, China, India, and others, um, right? And also uh, markets in Latin America, etc. right? So, so the center of gravity were, were shifting and yet, uh, our own supply chain, I mean, we had uh, 20 plants uh, across the globe uh, and, you know, 3,000 suppliers. And I'm not even talking about the supply chain disruptions that occurred during the COVID times. I'm talking about over the past, at a minimum, a decade or a decade and a half. You know, we were already beginning to realize that uh, uh, there were a lot of challenges that we were having because of having such a huge uh, supplier base and you know some of these suppliers were uh, creating you know almost existential challenges uh, for us and we we're beginning to realize that whichever way you look at it you know the future was not seeming secure and as an organization we actually launched off on you know what ended up being a journey that utilized a lot of the same principles that we are talking about today which is leveraging digital technologies to deliver better business outcomes but it was that's not what we had in our minds what we had in our minds basically was how do we future proof and secure um you know our business and our promise to our customers and make sure that you know the organization looking ahead was well set to serve the customers wherever uh, they existed in the globe right now as we started to look within, uh, and we are an automation company, we produce automation gear, um, and this is done on machines which are highly automated. But uh, Srini, our realization was the, the machines may have been highly, highly automated and, and advanced, but our processes were not, right? Our processes were not automated, processes were not even standard, standardized, right? And the way a certain thing was was done or practiced in one plant was very different uh, from the way it was done in another plant. And there itself, you know, you, you begin to realize that there is no scalability because there's no standardization. And you have almost an over-dependence on a few individuals who are very intimate with the way, you know, something is, is, is done in a certain 
planned in a certain context, right? And you know, we're beginning to realize how things were, um, you know, uh, much more dependent on on a few individuals um, as opposed to being as opposed to knowledge being institutionalized, right? And and that of course was a was a business risk. And just citing one example, right? And we realized that. Uh, you know, if we had to a, you know, de-risk ourselves from some suppliers who were practically putting parts of our business uh, at risk, uh, and b at the same time create a set of, uh, you know, standard processes that we could then practice, uh, you know, across all of our manufacturing. And our manufacturing tends to actually be quite diverse because we have standard products, you know, which are which ship from stock, and you know, we have. Uh, highly complex engineer to order uh, systems, you know, which, you know, are, are complex lineups, uh, you know, that, uh, that, you know, have a lead time of going into six to eight months or, or, or even longer, right? Uh, so that kind of a diversity, global customer base across multiple industries, you could not imagine a secure future if you did not have a standard set of processes, which were, you know, institutionalized in systems. So we ended up back then, a couple of decades ago, we we made a bold move forward and we had a single instance uh, of uh, an enterprise system, which was tightly coupled with a manufacturing execution system, uh, which happened to be our own um, MES, right? And this is exactly what we replicated, you know, across all of our uh, global plants. What we ended up realizing was it actually created for us uh, uh, an IT OT convergence of sorts, because we began to then for the first time, bring in a lot of live streaming manufacturing data, which was getting, you know, mashed up with enterprise data. And it was beginning to really, really uh, unleash possibilities that we kind of knew existed, but we had never really experienced. And this is an automation company that's talking to you, right? And that began to give us um, I would say, you know, unprecedented visibility across the organization, right? And it also gave us tremendous amount of uh, uh, resilience, which came in in good stead as we got into the pandemic times, because as you had to, um, you know, you were not even realizing, you know, this was the first time in, I would probably say, in all our working careers, you know, as manufacturers, we are very used to, you know, challenges and disruptions, you know, you handle things like tsunamis and, and all of that. But this is the first time you had a demand side disruption, a supply side um, disruption, logistics uh, out of gear, workforce that could not come into the factories. So you couldn't know really which factory you could operate on a given day and which you could not, etc. But having a standard set of processes that we had over the course of a decade, decade and a half stabilized actually gave us tremendous amount of flexibility to be able to rebalance our, our our manufacturing. I wouldn't say that we were able to overcome the the intense sort of uh, uh, vagaries that were thrown at us, you know, during the early pandemic stages. But if we did not have this capability, if we did not have this IDOD convergence and standardization of uh, processes across the organization, I can't even imagine, uh, you know, where we would have been. You know, we would have really, really let down a lot of customers. So, uh, so as an organization, we've really, really seen uh, a lot of benefit 
benefits which you know gave us you know that that resilience that i just pointed towards but also it gave us a lot of you know bottom line advantage you know it's uh, for several years you know we've uh, we've noticed that it's given us an ability to continue to drive um, you know productivity at an organization level between 3 to 5% on a on a year on year basis consistently because you have that uh, you know uh, visibility end to end across the organization um, and also uh, tremendous amount of capex avoidance you know which is also you know uh, an advantage which uh, no one can uh, can can really have enough of if you know what i'm saying so i'll pause over here i probably said a whole lot but uh, as a manufacturer you know i can attest to the fact that having this ability to blend real time manufacturing information that's streaming in from your plants with your enterprise information uh, you know it gives you an ability to look at your manufacturing operations in a whole different light it's fascinating to listen to uh, you talking about how your organization has essentially transformed itself or in the process of transforming itself after all of these years and having seen different uh, eras of of manufacturing excellence and also seeing the kind of disruption that we've seen unprecedented on a personal note uh, it's not often that i get to meet an organization that's almost as old as i am so thank you for that <laughs> uh what i'm taking away from your uh thought process are two things one is uh, what are the critical success factors is what i'm trying to take away from this what i heard is number one at least a set of core processes that are standardized and uh, uh are scalable so that you don't have one offs so that you don't have uh, uh it has to be repeatable it has to be sustainable that's one thing i heard the second thing i heard is uh the convergence uh uh and and in different organizations that convergence might take different forms but uh essentially what i'm taking away from that is the ability for uh, different systems to speak to each other the ability for different data points uh to be able to be seen uh in the right way uh given this context uh there are people in the audience who are managing their own transformation processes within their organizations it may not be system wide it may be within a department it may be within a function uh many of them manage uh large complex programs uh and and projects uh and so for people like us what what kind of suggestions would you give at in a very broad sense of the kind of uh uh the, the kind of outcomes or targets that we need to start thinking about as we set our own mini transformation processes in place sure uh, that's a that's a very uh, you know broad question let me just probably break it into a couple of a couple of chunks uh, shrini and, and and then see if i can do justice to it um so a couple of things first of all let's just talk about you know a couple of dynamics that are at play over here right the first thing is 
for all organizations uh, you know generalization is never a good thing but you know i'm still going to probably make the uh, make the submission to you uh, the there used to be a point in time in our careers you know some time ago where you had the luxury of running small pilots and le- learning from those pilots and then in the next you know planning cycle you know talk about rolling them out you know in a plant and then you know going multi plant and 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 so forth build internal sort of muscle within the organization that will go out and deploy you know these these things used to in our own case we had the luxury of doing it over a decade and a half right today you don't have that time today things are the time cycles are really getting compressed and i have a sense that this is going to continue to be the case right so what you need to do is agility has taken a whole different um you know meaning or a connotation all by itself right and if you need to have agility you need to really be thinking about stringing your organization organizations are getting siloed their functions and as you now when you talk about you know remote working and working from home etc cetera, etc cetera, you really just must have you know uh, an organization that has uh, a common digital thread that runs across right what i mean by that is if you have to have fact based decision making all across the organization where the organization is trying to work on a very very quick pace right you have to have the ability to have one version of truth right and if you are still relying on everyone has a lot of technology don't get me wrong right uh all of us have the yeah, the the best of the IT systems and uh you know reports that get delivered to us in our inboxes etc right but how those reports are getting created right you may still get your reports in the, in the same you know front ends etc but if it is still being managed by someone who's taking a dump from a system um you know which is then getting put together by a set of analysts and there's a human touch that's coming in right uh, a you're adding latency b there's a there's always going to be that that element of when things change who's going to go back and change all of those things and c people move on and when when that happens it, it creates a whole different challenge so i would first of all you know submit to you that you need to be thinking about having this this notion of uh you know a data infrastructure across your organization that connects your entire enterprise end to end right it's become a lot more easier to achieve that so if you're an organization that's uh that's uh, an msme right you know if i had made the same statement to you 3 plus years ago right you know you would have said who the hell is going to go out and you know ha- create an it department to manage all of that it's become so easy now right with everything now moving to the cloud it's becoming a lot more easier and i'd mentioned to you previously technology is no longer a limiting factor what is the limiting factor is our thought process what is it that you expect out of these things right so if you're creating standardized processes and if you have a notion of uh, having this transparent live data that exists in your organization that enables um you know uh, one version of truth across the organization which empowers yourselves your teams um to engage in some fact based decision making right uh, manner in which supply chain 
and manufacturing is looking at a problem is the same way uh, that your dealerships, if you're say, for example, uh, an, an, an auto company, uh, you know, is looking at the problem. If both of the ends of, of, of the game are looking at, uh, you know, different descriptions, different ways of uh, describing the elephant, uh, proverbially speaking, right, then you will never really be able to, to collaborate and that's going to slow you down, right? So we're talking about speed and agility and the role of this transparent live data existing uh, across the, the the organization that that brings it all together. I think I would like the audience to be reflecting on that for a minute. I think that's that's very very important. Um, and we talk about convergence, but you know you you got to really know why do you need to have this conversion? You need to have the conversion because having this enterprise-wide, uh, you know, transparent live data and the information infrastructure, you know, this is just so important. So, uh, so, so that's one thing which which I just wanted to lay out, right? The other thing also is, I think we should be thinking about the business problems, business challenges that we are faced with, right? I would like the audience to make a working hypothesis that whatever be your challenge, there is potentially an affordable digital solution that's available now, right? Make that working assumption, even if you're not a domain expert, right? Be thinking about what is the problem that you're trying to solve and then begin to challenge back people inside and outside your organization to talk about use cases that have been implemented across the industry, right? To deal with similar challenges, right? I think that could be a a good approach. I've seen people who've, you know, because someone else was using a particular kind of um, application or software um, or a device of some sort, right? Our mind, because that's physical and visible, you know, we, we tend to get drawn in that direction, right? And you want to, to you know, immediately think about that existing in your own uh, ecosystem, right? But don't be thinking about technology, right? You know, be thinking about what is your business problem because that piece of technology may be may not be the right answer for the challenge that you face with, right? So be thinking about, you know, what is the 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 business issue or the business challenge that you faced with, and then find out the right way of doing it. And sometimes the right way of doing that may require, you know, a technology that will <laughs> that has been in existence. Uh, for uh, a, a decade or longer, maybe, right? So uh, that's that's another one thing which crosses my mind, Trini, uh, around what, what I would like the audience to be thinking about. Uh, you know, so time cycles which are getting compressed, you know, the, the need for agility, you know, having, looking at transparent live data through this information infrastructure, you know, uh, that, that, that runs across the organization, um, right and and be thinking about um, business outcomes. Right now, there are a lot of other headwinds, a lot of other challenges, which hopefully over the remaining few minutes, some we can talk about around the the, the change management aspects of it. But if you if you're thinking from an uh, an outcome backwards perspective, chances of you going wrong wrong you know are, are substantially reduced. This is this is an education. Thank you. 
I, I was particularly struck by a couple of things you said. Um, making sure that we have no, not just standard processes, but also a common digital thread, as you call them. And uh, the objective being to create one version of truth uh, uh, within the organization, which is very, very difficult to achieve. And then the second thing you said just a minute ago, I'm even more struck by, which is reimagine the way business is being done. We're not looking for a Band-Aid. Yeah. We're looking for rethinking, reimagining how business is done. Uh, I, I, I want to touch upon a slightly different topic. Uh, I know that you're involved, you're passionate about not just this topic, but also you're, you're trying to be involved in uh, centers of excellence uh, around this. Can you speak a little bit about the kind of work uh, that's going on? Sure. No, that's uh, that's a very, very uh, you know important initiative. You know that that's currently under underway. I mean, it's it's work which uh, you know I've had the, uh, the the pleasure of being associated with for uh, the last uh, couple, maybe three years. Uh, you see, Srini, if now I'm, I'm moving the spotlight away from talking about leveraging digital to drive better business outcomes to a little bit more macro level challenge for India. Uh, if India has to really live up to its uh, potential, you know, of breaking into your already top five economy to become, you know, top three economy, you know, we've been talking about five trillion, having a trillion dollar manufacturing sector uh, sounds very inspiring. But if that really has to achieve, you almost have to immediately imagine manufacturing leading and not trailing, leading the growth of uh, uh, the industry. And Indian manufacturing, as you and I know, is predominantly MSME, right? So if you have to have a globally competitive MSME sector that's capable of growing across a set of years, you know, in double digit Kager uh, range across industries, right? Now, that's talking about something. I mean, it's not. Um, it's easier to imagine a few organizations achieving the kind of state that you and I were just discussing, but to imagine an entire manufacturing ecosystem across country, the size and scale of India, doing it consistently and becoming globally competitive. The opportunity is very much there. And that's probably a discussion of a, for, for a different day, different time. But uh, the, the opportunity for India is... is that this is the time for us to shine, but how's that going to happen, right? And it, I would simplify that by saying that you have to almost handhold Indian MSME to really go through this rapid evolution stages, right? And how's that going to happen? And that's the kind of work which we are trying to tackle at the uh, at the COE that you uh, just spoke about, right? Uh, so the uh, the CI. Uh, Smart Manufacturing Council has been trying to tackle um, some of these uh, very challenges, right? And how do you how do you take an entire industry, right, and and enable them to build capacity to be able to adopt smart manufacturing at that kind of scale? Right? So it, it requires a lot of things to be done. It requires you to create, you know, a, a platform where all the various stakeholders can come together 
at, at one place, you know, which is manufacturers themselves, of course, but also technology companies, uh, also service providers, right? Um, policy makers, what have you, create opportunities for those dialogues, discussions, right? Set some goals, right? Um, enable people to, to find out what is the art of the possible, A, and B, how have others done that, right? And not only draw some inspiration from that, but be able to get into a discussion or a dialogue, see, seeing is believing, right? Seeing the, the way they've been able to impact their business in a, in a, in a favorable manner, right? So a whole lot of that work is, 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 is going on and uh, much more needs to be done. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I think that's, uh, that's, that's, that's quite inspiring as much as it is, uh, uh, sometimes uh, you know overwhelming, but it's it's great to see people across the board coming together for a common cause. Um, in uh, uh, over the last couple of years, they've been uh, there's, there's a lot of collaboration that's happened not just within the country, but also uh, with some of our country partners. Uh, so countries like um, com countries from Germany to Singapore, uh, we've had an opportunity to to draw them in into the platform, learn from their best practices, and so forth. Thank you for that. Uh, this is very important work. And I know firsthand what a, what a critical role that you're playing in that because I serve with you on the Smart Manufacturing Council. Uh, my, my, my wish is that uh, people in the audience and others can take a look at what the CRE is trying to do and take away some learnings from that. As, as we as we look at this this whole complex diaspora of, of, of uh, digital transformation and there's a trend now with many organizations appointing chief transformation officers do you do you have a view on that I do uh, I think uh, you need to have uh, first of all I'm in support of that I think having someone who is who's you know, tasked with is you know, driving, creating an organization-wide agenda and a, a, a compelling narrative inside of the organization. Someone who goes to the bed and wakes up every day in the morning thinking about how to leverage digital to drive better outcomes and provide that internal, you know, organizational or institutional support to people, you know, who might be at remote sites, right, on how to deal with this challenge, right? So I think uh, the idea is pretty noble, uh, but uh, you not only have to have a person or a leader doing that, but you also have to enable, uh, you know, that individual, him or her, uh, you know, with, not just enable as an enable with resources and funds, but also uh, enable as in provide sponsorship from the CEO level and from the board level, right? You know, um, minus that, it's just going to be one person against a, a gigantic challenge and an organization-wide change management, which is uh, which is not going to be possible. Yeah, but but having someone you know who's who's really really uh, anchoring this uh, entire transformation or, or or change management and someone who's been there, done that, someone who believes in the potential. I think that's an asset to have if you can do it that way. Uh, Dilip, uh, I cannot say thank you enough 
for the time that you've taken, but most importantly for sharing your vast experience and what's in your heart. Uh, and we really appreciate that. I think we've taken a lot of insights away uh, from this. And uh, I think the audience will join me in giving you a huge round of applause where we're sitting across the table in real time. So thank you so much. Uh, and we look forward to finding ways to pick your brain as we go forward. Thanks a lot. Thank you for listening to CII Podcasts.